Sitting in a prison or jail? Then sit back and press play because this podcast is for you. No matter what labels life has given you, you are worthy people. Sit back while we discuss topics to encourage and strengthen you for life on the inside and the outside, all from one of your own. Your host has sat where you sit and here to tell you change is possible and it starts right now. Here's your host, pastor, entrepreneur, husband, and father, Cody. What's up? What's going on, everybody? We're back with a brand new edition of the Worthy People podcast. Our mission is to remove the labels of society by seeing and accepting all people as Jesus does. And so glad to get to come through. How's your week been going? How are you doing? How's everything going on at the unit you're at? Uh, how's everything been with your celly? Uh, hopefully they've been doing whatever they're supposed to be doing. Amen. No, we ain't worried about the celly. We just going to be talking about uh, us today. No, uh, this podcast, it isn't just me. Uh, I promised y'all last week that I was going to have a guest here today. And not just any guest, the one, the only, uh, my beautiful um, wife, uh, Julia, is with us today. Hey, Julia, welcome, Julia. Hello. I'm here. No. You're here. Hey. I think you're, okay, so you're the energetic of the both. I'm the more calm so you know you're very out there and i'm very like hello i think you know since i've been in prison and i've done done time in prison or whatever um you know i just know how much sometimes you just need somebody just to lift your day let you know hey that everything's gonna be all right that god's in control that he hasn't forgotten about you he's still holding you in the palm of his hand and uh and so and 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 just a lot of the excitement comes to be able to come on to this podcast because I mean we did the radio program for yeah. what a year yeah. and you were a part of that and uh, you know now the podcast getting into all the jails and prisons all over the United States is just uh, you know something that's uh, been in our heart and uh, God literally opened that door for us to go into the prisons each week on literally. this podcast um and to the jails um to the men to the women um that are listening and so uh for those that have been uh our day one people from our radio program i mean julia was almost on everyone and um so people have written and they said where is she at i'm here (laughs) where has she been and i I, she ain't buried in the backyard she's here wow okay really wow Oh man, we had some friends that like we would always oh, see yeah. her, um, but not him. But not him, and we're and she's like, I promise he's okay. And like weeks and months went by, yeah, and we're like, Where into is a he? Big joke that was like, Okay, wink, wink. We yeah, hope he's okay. <laughs> we hope he's know? okay. So, uh, but anyway, yep, she's she's here. Uh, and so for those of you that are listening to the podcast that you've never, you know, met my wife, you know, you didn't hear. Her radio program um we want to do a little bit of an introduction today um to her i mean there's still a lot of my you know testimony and story of 
life and being in prison and all that and walking through addiction um, that I've still have yet to get into right Um, on this podcast. But um, I thought it'd be good to introduce you and and where you come in into this picture because a lot of the people that we meet doing prison ministry going in the prisons, you know, they've they've never um, been to prison or they've never ex- really experienced that um, firsthand or secondhand. Um, you have experienced that secondhand because yes. uh, your parents um, walked through incarceration. And so I was telling the listeners last week that a uh, little bit about that, about your parents and them doing federal time and uh, you walking through it as the family member through the visits and the phone calls and the letters and, you know, being without, you know, them. Um, but there's so much to your story, you know, even besides that, you know, navigating um, life and um, without your parents while they were in prison. And then also, you know, a time in your life to where you uh, had to come to the Lord, right? That you accepted Christ and uh, at a lowest point of your life and, my low was uh, was prison, right? <laughs> After a few years of banging my head against the wall and uh, going through, you know, general population, medium custody, uh, you know, maximum custody, closed custody, all that stuff. I mean, I, I was like, there's got to be more to life than this. And uh, so you definitely had your own moment here on the outside. But, um, you know, they always hear from me. And so I just wanted to open up the floor and open up Thank the door you. Uh, for you. Of course, I did time in, in the Texas prison, and that's where you know our radio program reached, and that's where a lot of the people that write to us and stuff that um, – you know, hear us. And now the women, you know, uh, we've really been hearing from a lot of women and that's been on your heart. You're like, Hey women, where are the women at? We are in all the women's, uh, you know, uh, prisons and units now. So you can definitely talk to the women, uh, now as well so so much to cover let's get into it i just don't know like where do we even (laughs) begin you know i feel like when we start with our testimony it's like star wars where the first star wars like when when it starts it was like um a uh, you know, a long, 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 long time ago, and it's just all well, the words start going up the screen (laughs) yesterday we were telling somebody that we hadn't well you part of your family is mm-hmm. that we were they were like so how did y'all meet and how did y'all like get together and what did your parents think about it and that we were laughing because you know when my parents met Cody um you know he I don't really know if I told him that they were in prison or not I don't know but whenever he came to ask for permission to get married and all that like we were telling um this friend that you know, basically my parents like embraced him, hugged him. We're like, oh, we were too. Like, you know, usually when you bring a person that has been in prison, they're like, uh, okay, we need to, you know, we need to talk about this. Like, you know, whatever. So, and that was not the case with me at all. So I think my parents embraced you the first time they saw you. Yeah, um, I was like the prodigal son. They were like, bring the robe, get the, kill yeah. the fatted calf, Actually, let's my throw mom, a party. <laughs> my mom cried her eyes out. I, she's a little dramatic, but... No, she's not dramatic. She just thought she her words were, I feel like I just have a son that I had never 
like met or something. I don't know. Something weird. But she was crying and hugging him. And I mean, they love him so much. I ain't got a mama. So, you know, well, I told her, hey, you can, <laughs> you can be my mama. Yeah, no. But um, And then when your dad, I was like, I need a daddy. And he's like, oh, okay, you can call me Poppy. And then I said, hey, can I get uh, 18 years of uh, back pay on and child support? Um, you know, that would really, since I just got out, that really helped me out. And he was like, no, nah, let's just not maybe not call me uh poppy <laughs> and just so y'all know nobody gets away with calling my dad poppy except him you know i don't know yeah. like he has two well he has a son-in-law and a daughter-in-law and they do not call him that i don't know i, I don't know. he calls me hola mio <laughs> and he does not call his other you know uh, in-laws mijo or mija so i don't know you just have favor with the dads so oh yeah favor but um, yeah, I mean, we we met in church actually, and and he had been out for almost a year, so, um, yeah, we just met, and you know, it was funny because I was in church for a long time, just praying for my future husband, and somebody once said, "Well, maybe he's in prison, and he's just, you know, the Lord is getting ready for him, getting you ready for him," and I was like, uh, "That's weird," you know, but um, yeah, it turns out he was he really in prison. Yeah, the Lord was getting ready, you know. But anyway, so yeah. But what else? The Lord was getting me ready for you, and uh, you know, getting you ready for me. Yeah. But uh, tell the story, I guess, about how we really we had our first encounter. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, this our, is how very he really is at home. FYI, about the first time we well, met, it was just love at first no, sight. So, okay, so we were, okay, so first of all, we were at a very big church, and he used to go to another church um, that was part of that church, but just in, the, in a different t- side of town, and so every year they have this Bible conference, right, and so I was, I had been in that church for like five, six years, and I mean a long time, so basically what happened is that I would, I used to run the camera you know, back in the day, it wasn't like on a phone. It was like an actual tripod and stuff, right? And I mean, it still is, but it was more prominent back then. And um, he just came and sat down next to me. And honestly, he just smelled so bad of cologne. Like he didn't smell good. He smelled bad because it was so <laughs> strong. And it was just like, oh, my God. For the guys listening, when you get out, <laughs> pay attention to what cologne you get and you know, I'll put six sprays on, you know, and it's just like, I, I thought I wanted to make sure I smell good, but yeah, hey, cause it, you were it, like, it, single, it do you, scoping. It, single looking to mingle. Hey, but it doesn't do you any good to put that cologne on. If you just going to make them dizzy and pass out. I mean, you yeah. want them to remember you, but you don't want to remember you by you're the one who made them sick. He was, he definitely made a lasting impression. Let me just tell you. Oh, that. okay. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. But it wasn't a good one. It wasn't oh, a good okay. one. I hey, remember, you remember me though. I remember you. I remember my friends, you know, because I was the only single girl in my friend group of all these married people. Because I was 31 at the time, FYI. And, um, and I remember just being like, they were like, oh, did you meet anybody? You know, because every year everybody's like, meeting people and then they're getting married and yada 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 and I was just there like no things that I remember from that year though were that 
I remember that I had stopped. I told myself I was going to stop praying for a husband because I was already tired of waiting. It was six years, a long time. And then that I was on purpose making myself go vacuum the children's area after service. I was actually doing the things that I should have done like year one, year two. You know, I don't know. Like I was really focusing on God. I was like, I'm just here to serve God and that's it. Like I'm not going to worry about marriage. And I decorated my apartment because for six years I was like, no, I can't decorate it because my husband's about to, he's right around the corner and I'm going to marry him. So I actually started that particular year. I started like really just enjoying being in the things of God. You know, so anyway, just throwing that out there, FYI, if you're praying for a husband or a significant other, just focus on God and he'll bring him by himself. Anyway. Amen. Stop. So, you know, anyway, so yeah, so my friends that night, they were like, did you meet anybody? And I'm like, no, I have a bad headache. The guy next to me, like he poured the bottle of cologne on himself (laughs) and he stinks and I'm just like, ugh, like done hey but you were you were over there telling your friends about me so you know what i say not he not shoots funny. and he scores okay that's not even funny but okay but hold on you gotta tell them what you were told about me because you were you were not to toot my own horn but you were very impressed by me when you first met me mm. why and you have letters that you send your friend Oh, I was impressed by it's you. Ten years, yeah, ten years. So yeah. I've got the JPay letter that yes. I sent to one of the one of the brothers that uh, you know from that I did time with, and uh, I was like, man, I met this girl. I think I'm gonna have he to marry this girl. Me. He just sat next to me, and uh, yeah, so I did tell him. So you know, I I wrote that down. So then fast forward, like when we really started talking, and I told you. Hey, I told my friends about you and stuff because I just thought you were the most beautiful woman in the world, and still Was do. Still, worse? yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Still do. Still Thank do. You. So, Thank dang, you. I dodged a shot on that one. Yeah, um, so, wrong. but still do. And uh, you were like, "No way!" So I actually pulled up the JPay and yeah. showed you the JPay to where I said that. Yeah, and he, and your friend said, "Oh wow, she looks exactly like you." Had told yeah. me when you were the, in what here. you were praying for, yeah. Yeah, because I had, so I, I tell people, started. you know, from that, be be specific on the details. God cares about the details about things. You know, when you pray for something, just don't pray for a spouse. You know, yeah. a car, a house. God cares about the details, and the you know, it's funny to see when you give him those details that the way that he answers it, the way that he yeah. he provides. You know, so. You know, uh, we think, oh, we we can't ask for too much. You know, we can't be too. S- s- I'm not going to say that word, man. I tried to say that word last time. Specific. Oh, I got it. Yes, I got it. Um, but yeah, God cares about the details of your life. Yes. So anyway, I was impressed by that because I was like, okay, God, like, okay, he told his friend about you know a girl with dark hair and whatever. So that was cool. Um, but tell them what people in your, because he was a bat, he was an eligible bachelor. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, apparently there was haters out there that Mm. I didn't even know about, Mm. but go ahead. What did the girls tell you from your church? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, apparently I had like five kids or something. I don't know what they meant. I mean, I had, I'd been out, you know, nine months in church serving God. 
And, uh, I mean, I had a job. I was living in a house with some other guys from the church. So eligible bachelor, like, I wasn't like on the TV show, you know, bachelor status. Like, you know, I had a mansion or something like that. But, uh, you know, I was I was certainly getting on my feet, um, kind of still in that process. Yeah. Um, balling on a budget. And, uh, but yeah, when, when I first met you, people were like, man, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know if you, if you, uh, if you want to marry her. And well, you all said that they told stuff. you that I had like three kids and that yeah. I had only been serving God for like a year. Yeah. And so I was like, man, I can barely support myself. How am I going to be able to support three kids? So I was just like, you know, maybe it's, you know, too good to be true. And uh, and I then have any kids? Yeah, and then I've been serving out, God hey, for six years. So yeah. just saying. So I mean, and there wouldn't have been anything wrong with it. Right, it's just right. that I, you know, if you're going to get in a relationship with someone, you need to be able to know that you can financially support the other person. Right. You know, that's kind of why so many relationships nowadays get set up for failure is because you know people are getting out and they're jumping in a relationship day yeah. one. And it's just like, man, you you hadn't even found out, like, you know, if you still like uh, McDonald's right. uh, or, or Burger King better. Um, you know, maybe back then you liked Burger King, but, you know, now all the food's changed and they gotten cheap. And so it might be nasty. So, you know, find out like a couple of basics in your life before, like, you're already signing up to, to marry someone and get stuck in relationships and then the babies come. And, you know, I've seen people make it work and, um, but it can be very hard. So give yourself that time when you get out, um, not to be a floating bee from flower to flower, yes. but oh, to get like yourself the, like the Mexican song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but give yourself time, you know, to get reconnected, you know, with people in the in the and world with yourself, and yourself. I, I mean, because you even have to go through that, yeah. as like a person that wasn't in there. Like you have to, you know, when you you, you reach a certain age where you're like, okay, I, I need to know what I like and what I don't like. And if you always spend your time in a relationship. Like, you never know. Yeah. So, I mean, I spent most of my 20s in different relationships. And when I finally gave myself time to be alone, I was like, I don't even like sports. You know, I just used to get on the bandwagon because whatever particular boyfriend I had, you know, or whatever. Well, I thought I was your first boyfriend. Hold up. We're going to have some problems over here. Technically, you were because I was born Uh, again. Just saying. So, technically... Anyways. Yeah, I don't hear anything silence. No. Um, so, you know, fast forward, we started dating and uh, we dated for a month. A month. And then we got married and everybody told us it wouldn't work. And everybody at yeah. church said we're crazy. And people gave us Except six months. Except for my parents. Just Except saying. for your parents. And so, you know, we've been, we just uh, uh, celebrated nine years. Nine years. So, you know, we've been together almost a decade, and uh, we proved all the haters wrong. That's I right. mean, we could care less anyway, but, you know, just a lot of people, it was kind of funny how they kind of changed their tune um, after a couple of years. But um, but anyway, you know, when God's in the mix, Paul says in the Bible to find a wife, to find a spouse, is to find a good thing. And uh, so we certainly did that, but, you know, we're talking, to, we're getting into our relationship, but... I would like to kind of rewind a little oh, yeah, further. I, we like, yeah, we like let, talking about relationships. <laughs> we like so. all over the place. So, uh, 
you know, to rewind further about you, let's talk about your your childhood. Uh, I know that you, um, you know, you lived in Mexico, bef- you know, right there on the border, Del yeah. Rio, um, in Acuna. And, um, you know, of course, that's where all the family's still at in the U.S. And how were things, you know, um, when you were growing up as far as with the family and, you know, the, you know, parties and drinking and, uh, going to jail, going to prison, you being a kid, seeing all that. I mean, let's, yeah. let's unpack that okay, suitcase. Yeah, let's, <laughs> okay. That's a whole like five, six, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I grew so my family is actually a really good family, um, outwardly, you know, they're very put together and. My dad's very well spoken, and so you would never. In fact, when people see my mom and dad, they can they don't even, they can't even believe they were in prison, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, we had my dad when I I want to say I was like eight when my dad first went to prison the first time. Um, but yeah, we lived in Mexico. All my family was there. My dad was a Christian because he's from Honduras, and he was a Christian when he got there. He married my mom and. We have an ongoing joke slash for real that when he married my mom, she made him backslide and, you know, go into the world and because she was not for the church thing or the Christian thing or anything like that. So find yourself a spouse who's equally yoked with you. OK, FYI, just throwing that out there. But um, <clears throat> so, you know, all I remember from when I was young is that there was a lot of parties there was a whole lot of drinking. I was never exposed to drugs or anything like that. But I mean, the drinking was just out of control. Like everybody was everybody. I can tell you that everybody in my family, especially the men, they're all alcoholics right now to this day. Um, my dad, from what I understand, he hasn't drank in a long time. My mom stopped drinking when she became a Christian. But um, yeah, I mean that I was very exposed to alcohol, the fights, um, I mean, it was just bad, you know, it was just like bad, bad, bad. Yeah. And, uh, when my, I turned eight, my parents, it, it kind of started as like, we're trying to help people. So one thing I, I try to explain to people is that I grew up thinking that what my parents were doing wasn't wrong. Like I grew up thinking that the law was wrong, like that we were just yeah. trying to help people. Yeah. When I was a kid, we thought... Yeah. The cops were the bad guys yeah. at three or four years old. We were like, you know, hide yeah. and why? Because the co- you see the yeah. cop car. You so, know? you know, we were what ha- what ended up happening is my, since my dad w- was from Honduras, Central America, he started helping people come to the U.S. And at one point he wouldn't even charge. He would just do it for free. Back then it was like very easy to get somebody through a border, you know. And so. He would just bring them and then eventually people started paying him for it. Like I said, I mean, this went on till I was like 17. And I always thought up until that time, I thought like you were y'all were helping people. We were we're helping for people, helping and, people get a better life. And it's like you have to understand, like the conditions that people live in in those countries. It's crazy, which doesn't make what they did right at all, you know, because that's illegal. Like, don't do that, you know. But, you know, it's just like you grow up thinking like you're helping, you're helping. You never know that you can get in trouble or you know that they want to get you right. Like they want to put you in jail and stuff, but you don't know why because you're like, why? I'm just trying to help people like. So anyway, 
when I was eight, my dad got sent to a prison in Oklahoma. But before he actually did his time, he went on the run for like a year. Mm-hmm. And so he went to Central America. He went to he was staying in Mexico. And so we would I mean, we would go and like visit him in, in across the border in Mexico. He like he was running. Right. And then one day he just decided he was tired of running and he turned himself in. You know, he went and served. I want to say it was like two or three years, which I'm surprised. I was like, I would think they would give you more time for that. But anyway, um, so then he went, you know, my mom, she she kind of got in the mix once the money started coming in because it was a lot. But basically, um, he got put in prison again when I was 13. And of course, my brother and sister were like really young. Right. And so again, when I was 13, because you're the oldest, because I'm the oldest. Yeah. And so my sister and I are like two years apart. My brother and I are like five years apart. And so basically, um, you know, he didn't go on the run this time. He just went and did his time. And it was like three years that time. And then um, we would go visit him all the time. He was in Floresville. So we would go to Floresville. You know, um, we would like drive up, drive up to Floresville all the time, every weekend, every weekend. And it was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, And how did it make you feel? You know, going, I mean, how old were you? At the time, I was like 13. You're 13. Your yeah. sister would have been. Go, we used to go to Oklahoma. She was 11. And your brother? Uh, like seven or eight. So, you know, going into a prison, seeing your dad, you know, in the prison uniform. And what do you think, what do you remember going through your young mind back then? You know, what kind of feelings and emotions would come up seeing your dad? In there? Well, I was very upset with my dad because, and it wasn't even because he was in prison. I think it was because of all the stuff that had happened. You know, we had caught him cheating on my mom. Like, she still took him back. Like, there was just a lot of drama that happened right before he went to prison. And honestly, like, looking, that's the way it always yeah, is. <laughs> looking back, I'm like, Maybe that's where he needed to be in order for God to save his life because he was bad. Like he was doing really bad with alcohol and disappearing for days. And, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, literally one time, like we ran into him with another woman. And I mean, it was just really, really bad. So I was really upset with him because like I was I'm, I not only did I miss him a lot, but there had been a lot of stuff that happened like during that so time. there was a lot of anger safe there to was say. a lot of anger yeah so and, and then two i was angry was there anything to where you ever could like were like why can't he come home with no us? i mean i always knew why he couldn't come home. Oh, okay yeah i always you're kind of old enough to understand yeah I understand. what do you think about your sister and then your brother i think my sister understood why but i don't think my brother did so you know? he was the one that yeah. was probably like, uh, why and can't he come I think it was harder on my sister and I because we were like, we were daddy's girls. Because, you know, the first six years of our life, our dad was very present. Like, he was always with us. Like, he was, he didn't drink much. I mean, he did, but he didn't. And, like, I was always, he was a plumber, so I would go with him on plumbing calls and things like that, you know. And so I had, like, a really close connection to my dad. So, honestly, like, when he started being crazy and then he would take off to Honduras out of nowhere, like, that, I remember, like, the first time he took off to Honduras, like, it broke my heart. I was so upset. Like, I remember crying for, like, three or four days because I just missed him, you know? So, anyways, when he went to prison, it was, like, I knew why he was there. 
Like I wasn't. Yeah. But I do remember like being mad that he was in there too. Like, and because I felt like it, we couldn't do anything. It was always like, oh, you got to stop what you're doing because your dad's calling or, oh, you got to, you got to um, travel, you know, and it wasn't fun travels. Like it was like to a prison, like four hours, yeah. you know, so. And that's a misconception that people can have on the inside is that, oh, for the family, oh, they're out, they have freedom, life's great. Yeah. And um, it, it's like the saying goes, when you do time, your family does time with you. Yeah. And you de- you guys definitely felt that, his absence, um, you know, um, probably the phone calls, the, the putting money on his yeah. books, the gas, like, then, you know, the strain of your mom on, like, trying to support everything plus needing the funds to do all yeah. this other stuff. Um, how would you say with your mom, how did it affect her going to being a single mom whenever well, you'd go to prison? Every time my dad was in prison, it's like she was a different person because she would go into, like, this survival, survival mode. mode. Yeah. yeah, and it's weird because... You know, when my dad was around, she was very, like, calm and whatever. But then she would go into survival mode. And, of course, in the middle of all that, you, you when a parent's not present or when your mom's not there or somebody's not there, there's family members that just take over and they're, like, rude. And you're less than because your parents are there to defend you, you know. And it, it it's just ugly, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, my mom would go into survival mode. She would have to get, like, multiple jobs. And... You know, and then, of course, like the the looks from people, you know, her friends that they would just cut her off and stop talking to her and stuff like that. So then when I was 16, they went to prison again. Well, this time they actually got caught. So when your dad got out, like, I mean, he just would go right back to the same life or would he get out and do good a little bit and then kind of slip back into it? I feel like a lot of like his crimes were connected to his drinking. Like, I feel like everything was very, every connected. Like, for example, he would get out, we'd go to church for like a month, and then he would start up again, you know, because, oh, because he slipped and drank. And then he would see somebody from the past, and then they offered him a bunch of money, you know, to bring somebody across, or somebody would call or something, you know. And then there's, t- honestly, there was, because t- he, he was in prison three times, right? So there was times where... <laughs> He was already planning like how what he was going to do to go back into it before he even got out. And yeah. it's like, dude. And it's probably like just this one time, just this last time, just one time, yeah, just, just one make time this quick money and I'm, yeah, get, get on yeah. my feet, get on track. And yeah. we know that that is stinking thinking. That is negative yeah, thinking. Just... That's a, insanity doing the same things, expecting the different results. And, um, so he had plenty of chances, you know, to kind of get his act together, yeah. you know, and each time he got out. But like many of us, you know, we don't learn the first time and it takes multiple times yeah. to go through things. And of course, this all led up, I guess, to the 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 time they got the big time. Yeah. And then your mom actually going to prison and stuff. Yeah. So how did all that come to be? So, OK, I Man, it's like I can remember the specific day it all went down because I was so, okay, I'm mom and my dad got the rap for this, so I guess it's okay to say it. But, you know, growing up, I saw everything go down, blah, blah, blah. I was I was kind of trained to be like a scout for, for my parents. Like, 
I didn't know I was committing a crime. Okay. FYI, I was very young. But I would always go on the runs with my mom. Like, I would, for me, it was like my way of bonding and connecting with her. Um, I don't know. It was weird because we just had like these good talks every time we would get, we would listen to music and it was like a positive experience. <laughs> but I was like my mom's scout. Like, I would like keep my eyes open for cops. And you were holding like one time. That's what they say in the prison. Hey, hold one time, hold jiggers. You know, you, oh. you people put the mirrors outside the yeah. the cell to look down. They're like, one time, you know, officers coming. Yeah, I mean, the, that's basically what you were yeah, doing. Yeah. I mean, I would, nowadays, I was telling somebody the other day that. I was so trained on holding my emotions in that people, I still struggle with that. Like, and sometimes I just have to like be like, okay, okay, I'll just let it out, you know. But I was very trained at like making sure that I didn't look nervous because we would get stopped by cops and stuff, you know. And so they trained me how to like not get nervous, not cry, like all that stuff, you know. I can't tell because every time we're crossing back from Mexico from visiting your parents, well, they, the border patrol, you know, you get all nervous. I'm like, why are you nervous? You know, that we is... already know that they're going to ask me, you know, have you ever had a problem with the law? And, you know, and I'm like, no, I've never had a problem with the law. But the law has had a problem with yeah, me. No, he learned his lesson. Look, no, no, he, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other but story. I couldn't tell that they train you not to be nervous because you get nervous. And I don't I'm like, get, you're no, not, no, no. We're not even doing anything wrong. I don't get nervous, but you get goofy. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, they're going to search us and they're going to put the dog. The dogs are going to scratch the, the truck. And uh, it's just frustrating because he he well he doesn't do it anymore but at first he thought it would be funny to joke around with the officers and i'm like uh these are really well because the questions they ask i'm like you gotta screen you already know like why are you asking me this and you're like you explain the whole concept they ask you questions like you already know the answer to you know it's like um i'm in a white truck and you're gonna ask me oh, so what color is this truck it's just like you know, but you said they're they're just asking this to gauge you, to yeah. see the way you will respond, to see if you'll get nervous, um, you know, to see if you're trying to cross something. Yeah. But but anyway. Anyway. He stopped doing that. Anyway. Okay, but um, yeah. So th- anyway, the, that particular day, my mom did not want to take me. Like, I don't know why. She was just like, no, I'm not going to take you with me. And I remember even saying, well, I'm sick. I'm in school and I just come get me. So she went and got me and she took me home, but she would not take me with her. So the way that we used to like do all this was we used like CB radios, right? Like, and so we had a tower, what they call a tower at our house. And they had two in the car, right? One in each car. So what happened was that I heard it all go down. Like my dad got stopped with people. I guess they were already like scoping him out. He got stopped with like 12 people in the car and my mom was scouting for him. And so like I heard I heard it go down. Like I heard when they got stopped, they were talking to each other. Oh, it Man, was so, had an operation. Yeah, it was an operation. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, yeah. it was. And so um, I heard it go down. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like I knew at that point, I think I was starting to realize that we, we were not he- just helping people. Like, it was actually illegal to do this. You know, I was 16. So when it happened, I was just like, I just felt like my whole world fell apart. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, w- that's it. Like, my parents are gone. I already knew my dad had been in prison, like, a, f- a few times. So I knew this was going to be a big deal, you know. 
But my mom was the one that was like, oh, my gosh, like, we're really by ourselves now, you know. So they're both arrested and um, your dad was going to, you know, go through the court process and then they wanted him to plead guilty. Yes. And then the way that they got him to plead guilty was, well. Yeah, so I found this out a few years ago, actually, and it, like, really impacted me because I was like, wow, I guess I would do anything for my kid, too. So the way that they got my dad to plead guilty was that they told him and they had me, um, they had proof that I was helping them, right? And they said, well, since she's 16, we can try her as an adult. And so if you don't plead guilty, we're going to put charges on your daughter, you know? Which I would have never Your dad was like, you don't mess with me, familia. I would have never even known, like, that I was, I, I would be like, why am I in trouble? I'm just a kid, you know? Mind you, we're having normal lives here. Like, we're doing this, but I'm playing sports in high school and have my friends and parties and whatever. Like, I never knew. Like, I was so, like, not. I was very. I didn't know what was going on. I mean, yeah, you're a kid. You're just doing what you But can you imagine if they would have brought charges against me? Oh, my God. Yeah, I would have (laughs) died. You could be listening to the podcast right now. But. Yeah, I mean, so my mom did go to court. She got found guilty. Um, And, I mean, to this day, she's like, you know, I know that it was my choice to do what I was doing. You know, I mean, the moral of the story is, you know, my parents are doing good. My dad hasn't done this in over 25 years. Yeah. Um, He's had, like, a good job. You know, he's a truck driver. And I think he was, but um, this time, he... Your mom was gone six years, yes. right? Yes. And um, they were doing federal time, so they weren't state. They weren't local to no. like, okay, I can go and drive to, to, to visit. And federal, you go all over the U.S. So yeah. they, she went to California. She was in California. And, and then your dad. My, I don't remember where my dad was. I think he was in Texas, but it was like really far from where I was. So yeah. But, and I yeah. and I know that you know now as a result of that, your dad was a citizen yes. at the time. Your mom wasn't, so your mom is now permanently barred for the U.S. Yes. Which you know they've been out o- over fifteen years. And she's now. like seventy. Like yeah. So, you know. but she's unable to come into the U.S. No. to visit us. You know, she's never. If we we have to go to Mexico to see to her, see her yes. you know, because of everything. So, you know, one of my scriptures is, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill yeah. and destroy. Right. Um, and even though she's done her time, you know, she's she's kind of paid that debt uh, to society, as they say, um, she's still paying yeah. the price that she's not unable to yeah. come. So, it really the hurts US her now. because she can't. I mean. She helped my sister because they lived in the border too with the kid with the grandkids and stuff. But with us, like you know, she yeah. she it really gets to her that she can't help us. Like can't she's help like, be there. And I can't be there the way I would want to be there. You know, so yeah. I mean, in an odd way, it seems like you know she's still kind of doing time and yeah. we have to go visit her over there. And uh, but it, uh, at least she she's home. So during that time, you know, and they did their their longest stint right yeah. away. Um, how did that affect you? Now you're old enough to drive and drink and yeah. parties and and well. you had, you know, all this emptiness and sadness and anger 
um, on your own. I mean, most of the time when we talk to someone um, and they they have kids, many people listening, you know, the you have kids, and um, but usually one parent is still there, kind right. of like when your dad would leave, the mom would go. But I mean, they both. Um, that's more rare that both parents go down at the same time and just leave all the kids. Yeah. Um, and y'all are all, you know, uh, kids still, you know, yeah. you weren't, you know, adults. So, um, but kind of having to grow up then without them being in prison and, um, navigating life as an adult and all that, how did that stuff impact you? Uh, okay. So I was 16. I was actually, they got arrested my first week of my senior year in high school. I remember it was a Friday. So, I mean, it was really crazy because number one, nobody at school knew what was going on because we were embarrassed to tell anybody because nobody knew that they were doing this, you know? And so I was very lonely. Um, my my sister and my brother, I mean, I, it was crazier for them because they were little, you know. But, um, I mean, it impacted me a lot. I wish somebody had told me about God back then or somebody had talked to me about God back then because I can't remember anybody doing that back then. Like, I can't remember anybody saying, hey, guys, like, Let's take you out of church. Let's do this. Let's pray. Like there was like this one man, but he would pray with my dad, not with us, you know? And so it just felt lonely. Like my, um, our family was like embarrassed of us because they didn't know that this was going on either. And I didn't have a car. Like, you know, some people are like, oh, well, they must have left you some money. Like, no, they didn't. Like, you know, I had to figure out how I decided I was going to go to college and I had to figure out on my own how I was going to pay for that. I had two jobs. Um, my sister was actually taking care of my brother. She was like 15 at the time. <clears throat> and it was just it was just bad. Like I got into bad relationships um, because I was lonely but alcohol played a part in trying the loneliness and partying yeah, and I drinking. Mean, yeah, after after like a couple of years in college, I was partying really hard, you know, and drinking a lot. I mean, just going back to what I know, you know, which my family, that's what they do. They drink. So, you know, I went into the party mode, into the party lifestyle. And that's what I was doing till I, I was 27 when I got saved. So, I mean, and you were working and you always thought... You could have fulfillment in money, you know, yeah. and you had jobs oh, yeah. where you made money and you had nice things. I remember going to your apartment when we met and you had yes. your Gucci uh, purses and all this, you know, um, top of the line stuff from being, you know, uh, uh, a salesperson in the car yeah, business and all that. I was, I was, a, that, I was so. in a sales, excuse me. I was oh, a sorry, sorry, sorry. I was a finance manager and... Um, I mean, I thought there's anything bad with being a salesperson, but I that wasn't for me. But I was a finance manager. Um, you would have never guessed what I was going through. Like, you would have never known. You held it all together on that. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. Like, I put my, my no emotion skills to play now, right? But, yeah, I mean, I had a really nice car. I had a, I actually had bought a Crossfire when I was 22 years old. Nice little car. And, um, but mostly I did all that because I was like mad at the world and I wanted to show everybody that we weren't like losers, you know, yeah. because my parents were in prison. And so. I think that you were looking is for fulfillment and purpose in, in things and in money. And 
you had your run with like, you know what, having all the money and I'm still feeling empty yeah. and you kind of hit your rock bottom to where you're going to take a bunch of pills and just end your yeah, life. Yeah, that was that was the basically the the gist of it. What it came to was that I was going to end my life when I was uh 20, I was like 26 and a half. And um you know, at, at that time my sister had gotten saved and she had been her and her husband had been telling me about God and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like y'all just don't want me to party cuz I used to party really hard. Like you know the go party Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, thir- and like I was mad that there was nothing going on on Sunday, right? So we would party and then I would I just got tired of it. I was like, okay, I have everything I want. Um I have a nice car, I have a good job, but I'm still lonely. Like and and I had a boyfriend at the time too, but I was still lonely. Like I didn't even like the dude. I was just like, "Oh, you're here. Good." You know? But yeah, I was just I was just like, I can't. I can't live another. And my parents were out at this time too. You know, they were already back. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't live the same life over and over and over. And I remember specifically saying in my head, if I have to live another weekend like this, I can't. Like I'm done. So, hmm. you know, that weekend that I said that, I decided like, what the heck? I'm just going to end my life, you know? And, um, and I remember like specifically doing things like cleaning my apartment, taking a shower because I was like, they're going to, it's going to take them a while to find me, you know, because I, I have no family in San Antonio or anything. And so I cleaned up, showered, I was going to take some pills and my sister showed up now. My sister showing up was an act of God because, well, number one, I had just said, God, if you're, if they, they say you're real, I didn't know if I believed in God back then. I said, God, they say that you're real, but I've never felt you before. I don't know. I don't know if you're real, you know? And um, I said, if you're real, show me that you're real. Because th- my sister had said, tell him to show you that he's real. And I was like, okay. So that it was on a Sunday, it was around, I want to say it was like around four o'clock. And my sister at the time, she's married. She she gave her life to God like a year before her husband. But they never come to San Antonio ever. And she has two, at the time she had two kids, now she has four. And she said, um, they just showed up at my apartment. They knocked on the door as I'm gonna about to take the pills. And they just showed up and they were like, the the five-year-old who's now like 18 or 19, he was like, hey, we're here to save you. And I was like, what the heck? Like, who told him that? And well, first of all, what are y'all doing here? You know? And she said, well, my husband was in prayer this morning at church. And he said that God told him you wanted to hurt yourself. Man, that's crazy. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you, you have that moment where you look up and you're like, Lord, is that really you? Like, you yeah. know, and so she was like, my, if you ever talked or meet my sister, maybe we should have her on the podcast one time. <laughs> if you ever talk or meet her, she's very like, she's younger, but she's very bossy. And she's like, okay, get ready. We're going to church. And I was like, okay. At that point, I'm not even arguing because I've given up. I'm like done. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm asking God if he's real. My sister showed up on a Sunday with her two kids when they haven't been to San Antonio in years. You know, I'm I'm the one that lives here, but they don't they don't come over here. And she's here. 
And because she said her husband said that I was going to, I was, her husband said that God told him I was going to hurt myself. Man, man. Thank God. I mean, you see the way that God uses other people. And um, I I hope that he's using your story today. And uh, just to close out here, Julia, uh, you know, I'm just being led right now through the Holy Spirit is that somebody may be listening to this podcast that they're sitting you know, yeah. behind bars and, um, you know, the, they, they feel like they've lost hope and, um, m- maybe they've been suicidal or maybe they are contemplating thoughts. And so I just want to ask you, Julia, if you would, you would, uh, you know, lead us in prayer, lead those that the men and women that are in the inside listening, maybe they're like you were, and they're at a point to where, you know, they don't have any hope. Maybe yeah. they're like, if I have to live another day, another weekend like this, like you, that I just want to end it all. But you know what? God sent somebody. He sent, you know, your brother-in-law. Um, God sent you today to those that are listening um, as well. And um, man, look how much God's done in your life. Know. You know, that the the devil wanted you to end your life, but God had so much for you, so many good things. And I know times that I contemplated suicide while I was in prison and man just saw how much that God had for me, you know, in the prison. And then, you know, years later when I was able to be released and man, um, God is so good. The Bible says that God is a very present help in our time of trouble. And um, so I just, you know, I want you to, if you'll just close us out in here in, in prayer for those that are that are feeling lost, lonely, um, need some encouragement today. Yeah, well, before I go into prayer, I just want to tell y'all that if, if there's anybody that is thinking about something like that, that just like my little nephew said at the time that we were, he was five. He said, we're here to save you. Like they were literally sent by God to save me. Like this is how I knew God was real. So if anybody's feeling like that, like we're here to save you. Like we recorded this podcast and let this be like your sign from God that, that, you know, he's here and he's real. Right. So um, I just, you know, and, and the other thing is that there that was like 15 years ago you know and if I had done something like that I would have never known everything that God had in store for me like he had so many amazing experience in store so it may look like this is it I'm in a dark hole I'm never gonna get out but you're gonna get out and there's gonna be some you're gonna think back and be like oh my gosh if I had done that I would have never lived this right so let's just pray for everybody who's listening and of course, reach out to us. You know, we we love to pray for you. Our church loves to pray for everybody. And so let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much for allowing us to speak to the people that can we can reach. And thank you for using our lives. And just thank you for using, continuing to use my testimony even now, 15 years later, it's still something that I will never forget that you did for me. And God, I just ask you to touch the people 
that are listening and that if anybody is contemplating or feeling like they're in that dark hole, that you just reach out to your father in heaven because he's ready to listen to you and he loves you and he has such, such big plans for you. Um, my biggest scripture back then was Jeremiah 29, 11, that he knows the plans he has for us. And looking back, I'm just wowed. And God, I just thank you that people are going to receive this message and this story and that I'm just humbled that you can use me for, for this. And, you know, we just pray that your Holy Spirit just comes down upon them and just helps them and just that you just move in these prisons and that you let people know that just because they're out here or they're in there, that that doesn't give you extra peace. It actually, you can have peace anywhere you are. And we just pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, you know, we don't have a script. We, we came in here <laughs> just led by the Holy Spirit and we're both like in tears. <sighs> And <laughs> we're not playing today. We didn't come to play podcasts. This is real. This is real life. This is real life. And this is our testimonies and our story. And that's just how much that we love you. And that's how much we know that God loves you. And um, that, you know, we, we, we've been there. We've been there, on, you know, me on the inside, her on the outside, you know, with the family that was in there, her parents and uh, we just hope this podcast today has lifted you up, given you hope. Be sure to share it with somebody else that you know maybe that's going through it. Maybe that they uh, could relate to some of these things. And maybe they just are, you know, contemplating the end like, you know, my wife was. But, man, you know who they are. You know who you talk to. And invite them to listen to this podcast. And I know this was a little bit as far as out of the norm of our regular podcast, but... Man, it was beautiful. It was great, and I'm glad that uh, that Julia came on here and they and shared it with us. And so, um, we we'd love to hear from you. Um, our address is going to play right after this, and uh, we can't be we can't wait to be back with you um, with a new episode next week. We love you. God bless. We'll talk to you soon. If you're listening from a prison or jail, we would love to hear from you. Feel free to share your story or how this podcast has impacted you. Please write us at P.O. Box 120-162, San Antonio, Texas, 78212. Tell your friends and family to listen on all podcast platforms. Our mission is to remove the labels of society by seeing and accepting all people as Jesus does. For more information about us or to donate to our ministry, you can visit www.worthypeople.church. Until next time, we pray you continue to grow and change for the better. And don't forget to tell someone else to check out Worthy People Podcast.
us all as worthy people.